0: Back in the mid-90s, home entertainment was all about renting DVDs. Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings started a new business in which people would go to their company website and rent a DVD which would be mailed to the customer's home. When you were done watching the DVD, you mailed it back and you could order another movie online. The mail order business did really well in areas where there was no nearby video rental store. Within a few years, founders Mark and Reed offered the CEO of Blockbuster Video the opportunity to purchase their business. The price tag they asked for $50 million. The CEO of Blockbuster laughed out loud and rejected their offer. Blockbuster was thriving. Of course, nothing stays static. Technology changed. A lot. Streaming became not only possible, but easy and popular. Mark and Reed changed their business model to a streaming operation, but kept the name the same. Netflix, which today has a market cap of $213 billion, 4,260 times higher than that original price offered to Blockbuster, which went bankrupt in 2010. Today on Stories and Strategies, every business knows they must adapt to change, but we speak with an expert who says those traditional change management processes need to change. My name is Doug Downs, music off the top from the king of ragtime, Scott Joplin, the entertainer from 1902 played by Tom Moosinick. See, we we were talking about home entertainment, so we played the entertainer. Eh, They can't all be perfect. But my guest today is Tammy Arsenault. Hello, Tammy.
1: Good morning, Doug. How are you?
0: Good morning. And Tammy, you're joining us today from Calgary, Alberta, home of the Stampede and great skiing, Banff, Lake Louise.
1: Doug, and in the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge that we live, work, and play on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Tutina Nation, the Métis Nation Region 3, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of southern Alberta.
0: That is a really important point. Um, You hear it expressed at different public events, but we don't say it often enough. Thanks for that, Tammy. You're welcome. Tammy. You are the VP of Culture and Organizational Transformation at Suncore Energy. You have a long history in your career leading strategy management. You have an MBA in strategy and business transformation from the Henley Business School in the United Kingdom and a Bachelor of Applied Business Administration in Marketing and Human Resources from the University of New Brunswick in Eastern Canada. So confession time. First time I heard the term change management I, have to, I was terrified. I was in my first job in corporate communications. I didn't know what change management was or what I was supposed to do within it. So, could you just first define change management?
1: Sure, Doug. Yeah, it sounds simple. Change, in the simplest terms, is the transition of individuals, teams, or organizations from a current to a future state. So, that's in, in its simplest form change management. The, the definition that is often used in organizations to manage that change um, is around process, tools, techniques that manage the people side of change so we achieve the outcome we intended.
0: Okay, let's run through some of the catalysts for change. Our little story off the top was about technological change. In this COVID world, of course, we're in the midst of working environment adaptations and change. And what are some of the other drivers for change and transition that come about?
1: Yeah, Doug, there's quite a few, and I'd probably categorize them into two factors. One is external factors. So as you mentioned, it could be the pandemic, it, and that's pretty new for, for many of us. Economic uh, technology changes and advancements that are gone, going on around the world. You hear a lot of people going through change because of digital transformation in organizations. It could be competition, could be regulatory, depends on the industry. But there's a number of uh, the external factors that influence change for an organization. And then there's the internal factors and the internal factors could be anywhere from changing how people work changing a job uh, leadership changes leadership changes do change quite a bit whether it's in the strategy that they choose they try to streamline they shift around people so there's a number of things external and internal that will influence the need to change in an organization
0: Is it like moving? Do people build up anxieties that should or shouldn't be there at times?
1: Absolutely. I think change is deeply personal and everybody goes through it differently, just like we process anything differently. So it it varies. The reactions vary. Some people are early adopters and they adapt to change very quickly and others need more information and more time to process that change.
0: There are lots of change management models out there. We actually won't name any. Um, Many people become accredited in one or the other, but are they, from what you see, the modern approaches to leading change?
1: I think all the certifications and the methodologies and the education are all valid, and it's really important to document change. My view going forward. And just because I had mentioned that it's a deeply personal change, I think they're just insufficient um, for two reasons. One is change management with processes and writing down what the changes just doesn't get at the personal nature and the human dynamics. So we need a little bit more. We need more listening. We need more engagement and we need more conversation. And we need to be really in tune with what is at the heart of the change and what would be concerning people. So that's one thing in terms of how things are shifting and, and new methodologies, what we're seeing now is just a prevalence of more agile methodologies, product models. And what the shift is, is different from a waterfall approach and change where you document, you have it almost perfect. And then there's a big bacon reveal at the end of the change. What agile methodology is it breaks down into chunks. It breaks a problem down into chunks. You work it in small iterations with an integrated team. And I think that's the most important part, whether it's agile or product models. The methodology involves the owner, which is the people that are impacted more frequently and often throughout the process. So it's different than what we would have traditionally seen in change management um, certifications in the past.
0: Huh. So I think what I'm hearing is we're transitioning away from just helping people understand what they must do within the process of change, which was my big anxiety first time I heard the term, to actually helping people um, understand um, or, or give us what they think should be involved. So in in the lingo of the International Association for Public Participation, or IAP2, and I know we have lots of listeners who are members of IAP2, we're moving Along the spectrum from inform to collaborate and maybe even empower people.
1: Yeah, Doug, that's a really good point. We call it co creation often as well. So it's helping, the process helps us define with um, the owner or with the people that are going to be impacted how to frame the problem or the opportunity. And then we work through the solution together um, in iterative nature. So you're right. It is empowering them. It is supporting them. It is collaboration, but I even think it's beyond collaboration to co-creation.
0: Resistance is commonly one of the biggest challenges when it comes to change. Is resistance possibly a result of not feeling involved in the decisions?
1: Yeah, I believe so. I think resistance is just a clue. It's a clue that we need to understand Um, where people are so sometimes people have a loss of control right uncertainty is um, very uncomfortable lack of understanding of what you want me to do differently and will I be successful in that so getting at the root of that is really key and people feeling valued heard involved and respected are at the foundation and that's why I say some of the processes are insufficient that this is often a deeply personal process and we need to be able to listen and work with people more And hear what they're truly trying to tell us
0: if it's deeply personal is it more challenging within larger organizations just overall from what you see
1: you know doug i would say just based on the sheer volume and the fact that everybody processes change differently so trying to find and listen to every single individual is a challenge and and probably nearly impossible to do that um so i would say large organizations are are definitely tough to make large-scale change, just given the amount of people that need to be involved and engaged.
0: I know Michael C. Bush is one of the leaders that you admire when it comes to leadership and change. Here's a short excerpt from his talk, A Great Place to Work. So to be a listener who connects with all types of people, we have to unlearn a few things. We've all been taught about active listening and eye contact and intense stare and a compassionate look. That's not listening repeating what the person says, that's not listening. Being humble and always hunting and searching for the best idea possible, that's what listening is. And employees can feel whether you're doing that or not. They wanna know when they talk to you and share an idea, did you consider it when you made a decision? The one thing that everybody appreciates and wants when they're speaking is to know that what they say matters so much, you might actually change your mind. Otherwise, what's the point of the conversation?
1: I love that clip. What it means to me, I was thinking actually two things, hearing it again. And every time I listen to it, I probably, you know, hear something different. I would say one thing is listening to people, considering their ideas, especially in change or large scale to change doesn't mean you will or will not change. It just means that you've considered their perspective, possibly change, looking for the best um, ideas and opportunities with them and have a conversation. So uh, you know that's what jumps out at me when I was listening to it again. Particularly through the change that we're going through, it's important to have open dialogue.
0: One one thing he mentions um, about active listening, which I really liked here, was repeating back what someone says is not listening. And yet, I can remember because I'm getting long in the tooth now. I've been to manager school and they've given me manager's textbook. You're supposed to say. I hear you're very concerned about this. That's supposed to be our, it's right in the manual, in page five of Manager's textbook. And he's, he's saying that's not the way to go.
1: Yeah, I think he's saying what we've learned and what we know by talking to employees that it's insufficient. And, you know, depending on who you are, it could be patronizing because we all know that that's a trick, uh, you know, the trade. But really deeply having a conversation, hearing what people have to say, considering it right? If we don't consider it, if we haven't changed our thoughts on things, adjusted some things, it's it's probably not enough to consider um, the change.
0: From a leadership perspective, leaders are so often selected for their IQ. And a big part of what you're telling me today, and, and so much of what I hear and what I read is it's, it's just as much, if not more, about EQ. Would you agree with that? And and how does that weave its way into change management?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is um, a requirement going forward for leaders. And we're talking about a lot and, and we see it in circles. So whether it's, you know, at our company through our trans transformation, which is people focus to other organizations going through large scale change. When I ask them, what is the biggest lever that they're using around transformation or change, they talk about leadership, leadership, leadership. And when I probe a little further, and ask them what that means for them, they talk about um, leaders having empathy in a way we've not had before, to be more of a servant leader, where we're here to understand and enable and empower the organization. So it's less about the hierarchy. And it's more about how do we invert the pyramid and truly see ourselves as leading the change by enabling, empowering and listening to our people. That is EQ for me. I think it's a, a big mindset shift for individuals, for leaders, and particularly large organizations who, you know, haven't traditionally operated this way. But it's it's an exciting topic. And I just imagine what we can do if we listened, talked um, more frequently with each other to try to understand and not try to respond.
0: Wonderful. Tammy, thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me.
0: If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Tammy Arsenault, you can email her at tarsenault, it's in the show notes, at suncore.com. If you liked what you heard, we're hoping you choose to subscribe to Stories and Strategies and receive updated episodes automatically. We're also hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever directory you're listening on. It tells us you're listening to us. And would you do us a favor? Recommend this podcast to one friend. If you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.